dial star 611 for assistance, as your cellular phone is not authorized for use at this time. Pour de l'assistance, veuillez composer étoile 611. Vous n'avez pas le... Hello, podcast listener. Everything around you that you call life was made by people that were no smarter than you. And you can change it. You can influence it. You can build your own things that other people can use. The App Guy Podcasts, straight from your host, Paul the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul the App Guy. So welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I'm your host, Paul Kemp. And a few weeks ago, in fact, I interviewed a guy called Jack Nutting, who is part of Toka Boca. And as a result of that, I've managed to get an interview with Andrew Zukov. He is one of the founding engineers of Toka Boca and a really interesting guy. Now, for anyone who hasn't heard about Toka Boca, they are um, a company behind a lot of apps on the App Store. If you just have a quick search, I mean, I've asked my kids tonight to have a quick look at the Toka Boca apps that they like. And they've given me this huge long list of the wonderful Toka Boca apps available on the App Store. Things like Toka Kitchen Monsters, Toka Taylor Fairy Tales, Toka Hair Salon, Toka Band, Toka Doctor. There's just so many of them. And then they're all absolutely top class uh, apps. So what I wanted to do is just speak with Andre and have a chat about his uh, app career. So w- welcome, Andre, to the App Guy podcast. Hi, Paul. Great to be here. Terrific. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit then about how you ended up getting involved in Tokoboka as the founding engineer. Uh, quite easy. I was just, uh, you know, I was the first uh, first hacker that decided to join a group of uh, really cool guys, Emily and Bjorn, the CEO and the producer currently at Tokaboka. And yeah, I mean, but to look back, I guess the, um, this is just, I guess, I mean, depends on how far look, we want to look back, but I mean, we could look back as far as... Uh, well, from the start, I mean, that's yeah. because Toka Boca is such a, a well-known and a, gr- a great, um, you know, they produce some great apps, mm. but uh, clearly it's not always been like that. It's, it's as a result of a really great group of people coming together. So what was it like at the start? I was really exciting. I mean, mostly because um, uh, first I met Bjorn and Emil at uh, a meetup and I rec- highly recommend every aspiring or currently app developer to find the local meetup in their hometown and please look for Cocoa Heads or just look up meetup.com for like iOS developers or just mobile developers and I'm sure you have a Cocoa Heads uh, which is the most popular one so it's just a bunch of uh, you know, Mac and iOS gigs getting together, drinking a beer, giving presentations and stuff. And one of those meetups was organized by, you know, two guys that I haven't heard about. I mean, I actually heard about Bjorn and Emil. I met them at a couple of hack days, which I also highly recommend to attend <laughs> right. if you have time. And um, I thought, wow, those guys are cool. And they're going to talk about kids and technology. And uh, that was year 2010, and at that time, many people actually had a very negative perspective on kids and technology. And, I mean, I see technology more as a means of expressing and solving different issues, not as, you know, interest of its own. And for me, looking at meeting those people was, was cool. And that evening, I heard a presentation about 
what an interesting world is opening up with those devices being in everyone's pocket, everyone's family. And, you know, they just spoke about that, look, never before we had such a sophisticated device available to anyone. You know, it has, it responds to touch. It has, um, you know, it has a proximity sensor. It, ha- it knows where you are. You can tilt it. You know, and for all of those, you know, qualities of the device, they had uh, kind of a fun and curious example of somebody who's done something interesting. The most difficult part was obviously the vibration. Even for that one, there was a, there was a cool game where basically it surprised you with the vibration and then you had to do something quickly to catch it. You know, so just even look at each and every interaction just on its own, you could do something fun. And they said, now... Uh, you know, and then the the one thing that also made me really impressed is that many people, you know, they they jump off on half baked ideas, and you know, if you try to dig a bit deeper and say, okay, okay, you're gonna you're going to do this, uh, I don't know, smartwatch. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. Smartwatches are cool. But what else? You know, why? Who would use it? What's different about it? Like. Are you going to do more than that? And many people would say, like, oh, yeah, I have no idea. But those guys, when they spoke about kids and technology, you could see that not only they actually knew something that made them deeply passionate about it, but they also spent quite a lot of time looking at what exists in the market, uh, what doesn't exist, you know. And they saw a huge disbalance in people focusing on educating and counting and lots of other things, while in fact kids' needs are far more wider and far more varied than just learning to count or ABC and things like that. You know, kids like to run around, they like to explore, they like to talk with each other. And, you know, and also many people looked at the screen as something that separates parents from kids and you know and there was a belief that again this is just uh, you know it's just the wrong way of looking at technology technology can both enable and hinder and in in their case they wanted it to enable interaction and later on we've seen videos where families would like during christmas time would say look grandma is playing first time uh, we've seen grandma play with grandkids talk a tea party and you know they would film on youtube and you can still google that tea party grandma or tea party family time or something like that and you would you know i'm not sure (laughs) right there might be far more many videos now but at the time there were a couple and it was so amazing just to see that like just you know simple idea that if you create a, a right environment you come up yeah with with the right sort of values i guess that's what was the most important and what was different about um in tokaboka founders is that they had a really good set of values that are carrying companies still forward and so that there were the, the founder then was bjorn and who did, who did you say was the other guy? Emil, Emil Ovemar. Okay. And they were the two founders. How big was the team? Uh, at that time, it was Bjorn, Emil, and uh, they were, you know, and at exactly at the same time joined uh, Jens Petter, which is one of the play designers, and Chris Lindgren. So they were in the discussion, or maybe they already joined at this time. 
And it's good to go back to that time because I think people listening to this podcast may be in a, at a startup that is perhaps at the same position that you were back in 2010, where you had a small team. I'm assuming it's grown quite a bit now, uh, but but back then it must have been so exciting. This the, the kind of energy. What what was it like to to really create and be part of that small knit team? I think it's the most exciting things of all because. I mean, I like to do things that are go a little bit against the grain. And at that point in time, uh, I mean, still, Tokaboka proves many people wrong in a sense where, you know, maybe now it's very difficult to understand that in 2010, many people said, no way a mom will give her iPhone to the kid. No way I'm going to give my iPad to, you know, to a toddler or somebody else. and some It people, seems ridiculous now to even think that people thought like that back in 2010. In fact, I've lost my iPad to my kids. I don't even ever get it anymore. <laughs> they seem to be on it playing the... Playing the and, and, and we're kind of... Yeah, the attitudes have changed so much in three years. But um, back then, you're right. There was a real, um, I guess, uh, a witch hunt against parents who were giving their devices to... It wasn't, you know, the children. Some people still do have this point of view, and in many cases, it could be right. If, if uh, in a sense, the iPad is not to blame, is what is on that iPad and what do you do with it is what's the mo- is what important. So the same way, you know, like you can't, if a parent or if a person doesn't uh, doesn't do an active. Uh, choice and uh, what's you know it's not may- maybe doesn't know themselves exactly what is good for their kids or is, you know misinformed or maybe has a different point of view of course and you know you still need to make an active choice what will be accessible on this iPad and the one of the one of the goals of Tokaboka was is that when parents we we all know parents are busy. I mean, I'm not a parent myself, but I mean, almost uh, like majority of uh, people in Tokaboka are, are parents, and you 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 know that parents are busy, and we can't yeah. expect every parent to do uh, you know dig up through different educational papers and look around and try to figure out what's the current state of the art with research and kids and technology, and then maybe make an educated choice. That's what the brands are for. And the idea was is that Tokoboka will stand for that safe heaven where parents know and trust and they know that these guys made the right choice for my kids as long as my values are the same as Tokoboka's. So and- people listening to this, Andre, will perhaps be in a position where they're really wanting to work for a startup. They're kind of getting inspired by the fact that you went to a Cocoa Heads meetup and you, you know, you manage to network with the right people and, and, and kind of fall into the right crowd. But, but it would be really helpful to understand how you uh, got into that position. What do you think Bjorn and Emil liked about you as an app developer and what, what kind of got you into that crowd? It's difficult to say, but one thing that uh, once I asked Bjorn and he said one thing that what I guess he liked about me was is that I wasn't just, uh, I don't know, like it wasn't the technology itself that excited me, but 
how it's so for, like for me, technology is a mean of expression, not the end of itself. So I don't really like for me the you could say in simple ways like the experience of the user. Like if if I think about it more, then the the experience of of the person or you know of the user is more important for me than how it's being achieved. How did I achieve that? So uh, if if I've managed to discover an emotion or an interesting way how to do something, and that's just by paper cutouts and uh, write story that that is good enough for me and then you know and then i can work out and how i can package that in uh, in an ios application or something else so you know i don't get too much involved in html5 versus native debates and things like that you know i see it in a more pragmatic way in many cases a user doesn't care how it's done as long as it's you know depending of course what you're making but if it's a game you know as long as the interaction is right as long as the response is you know uh, the flow is thought through the um, you know the important things are removed and the experience is focused it doesn't really matter what is it done like how you implemented it but in many cases iOS and Coco is such a great platform because it it allows it for such amazing leverage and as Jack I guess uh, mentioned that he noticed the development of Coco uh, from next step to iOS and you know it has tremendous heritage and I encourage every developer to look into uh, like I don't know websites like NS Hipster where even though it's a funny name but it's run by uh, uh, forgot his full name, the, the guy who worked at Govala and now he's at Heroku. And he has an amazing uh, article about hidden gems of Coco. And there's so, there's so much things there, like you know, many things that you must probably implement it 10 times yourself already exist there. And, in mm. you know, the, it's, it's a great thing. It's an amazing I'll put that, thing. I'll put that in the, the show notes so people can find these resources that you're mentioning. But so I'm, interested in then how you found uh, and how important you think it is to so just to summarize what you were saying there yeah. then you you actually think that you benefited very well by having a belief that the it's more important to focus on the users and the, the, the benefits that the users experience rather than kind of endless debates about the code and the, and the trap that we all fall into is uh, I guess as app developers is we get so obsessed with the nitty gritty and the code and the uh, and, and you're right. The end user has uh, they couldn't care less how it's delivered. They just like the experience, and that's what you really focused on, and that's what really helped you, uh, you know, get into the the kind of small group that ended up becoming the success that Tokoboke has now. I guess, and uh, one other thing that one now that you mentioned about focusing, and uh, it's also really, like if you look at a startup situation it's really important to have an open mind and ability to learn quickly and pick up something new. So if you already have uh, some sort of a preconceived notion or really, um, I don't know, really strong position about, let's say, I don't know, if we're talking about mobile startups, but and you know, any startup is in a state of flux during, I don't know, it could be first year or two years sometimes. And 
you have to be open and to be, especially if you're a first engineer, it's really important to be able to explain in human terms why and how you would like to do it and why exactly you would want to choose iOS. And like in, in the beginning, we had, um, we had a lot of discussions. Should we start with Unity, Cocoa, or just plain iOS and UI kit? And, you know, and we, we just said, okay, let's try Cocos and, uh, you know, let's try uh, UI kit. And we did quick prototypes and somehow felt like with Tea Party would be easier maybe to make with UI kit. And that's how it started. While Helicopter Taxi, another, like the first of the apps, we, we, we thought it's 3D, let's try Cocos. It was difficult. We tried to fake it with... Uh, a sequence of sprites and try to fake 3D, but then we felt we, we're just fighting artificial constraints. Let's just go with 3D. We evaluated different 3D frameworks like Orge 3D, what else was there? We tried even uh, Unreal Engine. It was recently like allowed. To, at that time, it just, you know, the SDK just came out. But then we, we looked at Unity and somehow the flow between uh, artist and engineer uh, became much easier, you know, and we said, yeah, let's do with that. And maybe if I had some sort of a really strong opinions about different technologies, maybe this process of search and, you know, and trying to feel, because even if it fits me, the specific technology, it has to fit the whole team. You know, the right. the business people need to understand what they're investing in because maybe I'm great at programming Haskell, but will they, and there's nothing wrong with Haskell, I love this language, but let's say if I do game development in Haskell and since I'm a first engineer, I I could convince the founders to go with it. But maybe two, three months down the road when they would like to find new people to join the team, there will be maybe a pool of five people in Stockholm that know Haskell and could do some game development with it. So in a way, if you're a first guy and you're the tech guy in the company, it's good to f understand also that <laughs> you have a responsibility uh, and kind of you need to educate as well everyone else around you about pros and cons. And having an open mind helps a lot. So it, I'm getting from that that it's good to work for a startup and think as the founder, the CEO of the startup, uh, as they would. Definitely. It's such a small team that you need to think about the, the bigger picture. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you're right. Because technology is always just one part of the problem to be solved. The other is how to get people to use it. And, you know, if it's, and that's what the business is about. And, you know, we still have to think about it. And how important was it to have a mentor going into Toka Boca? And how do you think that people, perhaps like in your position three years ago, how, is, how important is it for them to have a mentor? Actually, when I joined Toka Boca, I guess my main mentors were people, you know, different people writers and iOS developers and some open source projects. I think when I discovered that Last.fm, uh, Last.fm's mobile player is open source was almost one of the biggest discoveries for me at the time. 
I, I just thought no way like a really professional iOS application that implements interaction with online service, plays music and does a whole bunch of different stuff is completely open source on GitHub. I, that, that, was, that was amazing at the time. So I learned from that a lot. And later on, when Jack Nutting, uh, one of the interview, in, uh, like one of the guys that in, was interviewed by you earlier, yes, yes, he, you know, he joined he joined Tokaboka like three, four months later, and just it was tremendous amount of insight and experience that uh, he brought to the team, which I deeply appreciate. And yeah, I, f- I feel like he became. A sort of a mentor that was close by, and I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, I just think there's a lot of people being inspired to kind of go work for startups, and that's why your story is so relevant to those people um, because they're hearing it firsthand from you. And and do you think that there's a lot of stuff coming out of Sweden? Do you think there really is a, you know, something about the culture, or what is it that Sweden seems to be having a renaissance with you know technology and with kind of with things going on. I would say it's really long winters. <laughs> that that might be part of the answer. Uh, long and dark winters. No, but I guess uh, one of the things. I mean, I've been thinking about it myself, and I personally I have a great fascination with with Silicon Valley as well, and. You know, there are pros and cons about uh, every place, but I feel that the mo- mobile does change a lot. Uh, and you see that with um, Finnish and Swedish and, um, you know, many Nordics, Nordic companies. If you, if you looked at the top list during Christmas, which is almost like a showcase of your overall success during that year, uh, you know, you could count almost all of top 10 places were dominated by Nordic companies, which is really cool. And in some way, those company, those, those countries have a lead in, in a way, b- mainly because uh, they have a really good infrastructure. You know, 3G appeared first in Sweden. I mean, maybe in Japan and Sweden almost at the same time. And, you know, high-speed networks, like if you if you listen to Daniel Ek, the founder of Spotify, he said that you know I felt what the world will feel in the next five years when I had the hundred megabit internet in my you know in my university dorm, and you know the amazing infrastructure, really good fast mobile networks, allow people to live in the future before the rest of the world does. So those countries were ready to go mobile before the rest of the world could, I think. Yeah, and it's so refreshing. I've interviewed people on this series of podcasts, and more often than not, I I get the sense that we're encouraged to go and live in Silicon Valley if we really want to make it as app developers. And it's just so refreshing to kind of hear, you know, the story coming out of Europe and coming out of the Nordic countries in particular – that a lot of creativity is kind of being inspired, and it is partly because of the infrastructure. I mean, how fast is your broadband uh, that, that we're speaking with you right now? Well, yeah, I didn't go for the fastest one. I could have had uh, 500 megabit, but I chose the 100 <laughs> one just to save it. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, I, I work in Dubai and also work in the UK. My UK speed is 2 megabyte. 
so uh, and the upload is even slower and um, you know that's a real I think that's a real constraint uh, around the world and and the fact that you're just you went for a slower 100 megabyte that's that's incredible also I mean uh, if we leave the infrastructure questions uh, apart like if if you look also at uh, App Store I mean the distribution like why Silicon Valley matters, still matters a lot for financing reasons and networking. And it's, I mean, it's a huge concentration of talent. But you've created something great. And, you know, you live in some, maybe, yeah, you don't live in US, you live somewhere else. And with an app store, you can reach the whole world. And that was also one of the premises of starting Tokaboka, where uh, the founder said, you know, there's no point of focusing on just your own market when, and you need, when you're building your products, have a global mindset. I mean, it doesn't work for every product, but uh, for Tokaboka Games, that was also one of the conscious design decisions, limit the amount of uh, text or don't have it at all. And, you know, and all the sounds is universally recognized um ooh you know just interjections and sounds of emotions that can be understood both from egypt to you know to china ah, that's such a great point uh, that that somebody mentioned that recently in a podcast and the fact that we do touch the entire globe pretty much with apps and what you're saying there is that try to think about when developing the app of of the international audience, and so of course I'd never really thought about that. But um, your so, apps are pretty universal with the language and the text. Yeah, and it was it was really. I mean, it, it felt really nice to hear from people, uh, you know, with different religions to say that we love your apps. We don't find uh, an offensive elements in them, and that's why we really recommend to all friends of ours. And, you know, even that thing that we, you know, even if you don't keep in mind a sort of like religious aspect in mind, but you just take, you just think about when designing the app, I'm not designing just for my own worldviews and things, just, you know, the whole world is going to touch upon my experience. I, I would like to make everyone feel welcome. And that's not only nice from a human perspective, humanitarian or, I don't know, personal perspective. It's also great from a commercial point of view. You don't limit your target audience. And with an app store, it's just a waste of resources. I mean, did you see, like, uh, did you see, did you ever see the list of apps, uh, you know, uh, countries that are in the app store? It's incredible. It's yes. one of the world's best distribution platforms. Yes, it's uh, it's enormous, and I think that maybe two or three years ago there was a, a view that it's best to focus on the Western countries because there's that's where the money is. But when you look at the downloads and um, the people paying for apps, it's very broad, broad across across all the countries. In fact, it's 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 hard to justify choosing a rich country to to focus on. It all depends, I guess, on. Um on type of application and maybe the audience, of course. And, you know, you can, you can be solving the problem of um, more wealthy, uh, you know, type of people. But 
again, the middle class and lots of other countries, I mean, the middle class is growing in many other markets and, you know, the Chinese market is going to only grow in significance and the amount of revenues coming from there. And that is obvious, even looking at the Apple's focus on that market. Yeah, so let's talk about now and in the future. What, what's really exciting you with your work now that, that you can talk about? I'm just thinking, there's just so many exciting things. Uh, I mean, I, somebody once just said, this is the world's greatest job. Being an engineer and a tinkerer, you just start thinking about what would you want to build and you just do it. And right now is the time when... You, you just, you know, I feel lots of things are just getting started. I mean, even the mobile, even though it feels like, you know, we, we iPhone, oh, what's exciting about it? But the, the just getting a grasp that there's more mobile phones being activated than the children being born on Earth. It's kind of mind-boggling thinking that the computing power will be available almost to everyone on earth and us as a mobile developers you know we we will have almost everyone we'll be able to touch upon everyone on a deeply personal level be it a mobile phone or and in the future maybe a wearable device will it be an iWatch or any other connected accessory and uh, one one you know, one point of view about the future is that you, the mobile phone will be the hub of other personal devices such as wearables or sensors, extra sensors, or even your smartphone, uh, smart home. So like Nest is, you know, just got a, a really big valuation around $2 yes. billion, And it's got funded on the vision of that you will control your home from your smartphone. I mean, that's the main selling point of Nest and, uh, you know, and Nest, I forgot what's the name of the fire smoke detector. Yeah, the fire, the fire alarms that have just come out and, yeah. uh, are, can be controlled by your iPhone. And, you know, as a, so as a mobile developer, you will be the gateway, you will be the creator of, exp of experiences where people, you know, you could help people catch a cab. I mean, you know, Uber is revolutionizing our understanding of personal transportation. I love Uber. In fact, uh, three, three or four episodes ago, someone mentioned that Uber has come to uh, Dubai and I happen to be here in Dubai now. So I signed up and yeah. over the last two weeks I've been using it and it's been a while since I got so excited about an app, but this has just been, it's been a wonderful experience. I, I, I jump in the car and, uh, you know, I feel like a millionaire because <laughs> you have a personal driver. He offers you a water and yeah. he takes you where you want. And I love the fact that there's no arguing about, you know, fares. There's no money. It changes hands. It's all electronic. It's wonderful. And those kind of things, you know, developments, I think are just going to inspire the, you know, the kind of and radical and well, radically change the way we live our lives. Yeah. I mean, I, I find it one of the most exciting directions is where, you know, the world of bits starts control, controlling the world of, you know, uh, atoms, you would say. I mean, these are many of the startups, you know, there's a many really cool ideas where, you know, your phone will be enabler or a controller of different things in the real world. And Uber is one of the amazing examples where it's just, yeah, as you said, once you experience that, you feel, you know, this is something that 
definitely is part of the future and I want more people to experience that. And I think another, uh, I mean, William Gibson uh, once said that the most interesting technology applications usually turn up either on the battlefield or in the art gallery. And, I mean, looking at the battlefield with drones and other things, I mean, they can give a bad name to many exciting technologies. So we don't look at that stuff. But, like, I would also encourage, it might not fit everyone, but that fits my nature. I would also encourage people to look at interesting uh, digital art spaces and, you know, and see what people are doing there. Because I find a lot of, I mean, art uh, questions a lot of, you know, has the courage to ask very many difficult questions that, you know, we might not think about in everyday life. For example, there's a lot of things happening around privacy and rethinking of the ownership of our data and, you know, many other things. So before we, we're getting towards the end of the interview, before we uh, wrap this up, perhaps, uh, you know, you are an expert app developer. You've been in a wonderful team. It would be interesting if you could share one or two of your personal habits that you, during, you know, your work day that you think has contributed towards your success. On a personal level and reflecting on each and everyone who is part of Tokoboka, one common trait that everyone has, that everyone is deeply curious. And curiosity is an interesting quality that somehow we get educated out of. Because, you know, like, oh, don't, don't turn around, focus on this. You know, why do you want to know that? Just, you know, sit and learn. Or uh, there's different environments in our life that kind of, and maybe some experiences that prevent us from developing this really important quality. And just being curious and looking out for new ideas, new inspirations, new people, and even new opinions is really important. Because, again, if I would look at technology as a very serious thing and iPhones and iPads as a very expensive high-end devices... I doubt I would believe that in 2013 or 14, you know, iPhone in the kid's hand would be as common as uh, a pacifier or some, you know, or an average normal toy. I guess just be curious. I don't know how, uh, how do you develop this? Well, it's one of the biggest human traits that have, have meant led to some of the biggest successes in human history the fact that we're as a species curious and and you've just reiterated uh, that curiosity can be equally as important with uh, our careers as app developers as well as in any other uh, trait in life um so this has been great i've really enjoyed this um chat it's you've kind of inspired me i mean i i am you know in love with tokoboka apps i think it's been you wouldn't believe how much you've helped me through some difficult meals at restaurants. <laughs> you know, when, um, when the kids are getting bored, <laughs> they just go onto their, the, the iPad and, and bring out the Toka Boca apps. And it's one of their um, most played games, you know. And so I thoroughly enjoyed this chat, Andre. I think you will, um, your story will inspire others, you know, thinking about working for a startup and, um, you know, hoping to get into a team that has just been as brilliant as the people that you've you've got involved with there and so hopefully they can take some things away from your story and apply it to their to their own lives yeah i mean i was excited to to be able to share some of the 
<laughs> some of the ideas and a little bit of a story. But well, how how can people reach out to you and connect with you if they wanted to uh, just speak to you about whatever you've mentioned? So feel free to uh, either write me an email or reach out on Twitter. So email would be me m e at andre my name dot s e or Twitter is again my name andre z. So Andre is at one word. Yeah, and I'll put that again in the show notes for anyone listening. And also um, all the, the mentions of the resources that we went through will be on the, the, the show notes at the end of the end of this session. So great. Sure. Well, thank you, Andre. That's terrific. I've really appreciated your time. Thank and, you. Um, appreciate it. And hopefully we can have another chance to talk over the year as uh, a lot of these things that you mentioned come out, wearable technology <laughs> and <laughs> all these other things that you mentioned, which are, is going to be an exciting 2014. Definitely. Looking forward to that. Terrific. Goodbye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. And if you do have any ideas on who we should interview, please send that email to info at onemob.com that's info at o-n-e-m-o-b dot com 